Hello and welcome to The Milk Bar, our in-depth Zelda discussion podcast. I'm Jane Marjorie Crocker, your co-host. And I'm Tori Vaughns, your other co-host. We're here to talk about The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, it's a game that a lot of people really like for some reason. A lot of people really like... Have you heard of the people like this game? I kind of heard about it. I was reading through uh, Nintendo Power, the latest issue. Yeah. And... Um, I saw that the editor did this little periodical about it, and that's not what a periodical is. Don't worry about it. The editor just, they said, hey, have you played The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? It's kind of like a hidden gem. Also, here are all the cheat codes for it, so I did get the flying boots right away. The hover boots, that's what they're called. <laughs> not the flying boots. The flying boots? The flying boots. And that was my first experience with Legend of Zelda. I just downloaded it on Steam, played it last week. It was yeah. really fun. I mean... Kind of, it's kind of interesting for them to just, they kind of released it like Beyonce with that secret iTunes yeah. album. And then, you know, like only few people know about it. So like really just, just get on that. I don't like this bit. I don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to follow you there. I wanted but... to, I wanted to, here, here. I want to talk about, we wanted to open with Ocarina of Time because it's kind of the first game that people think of when they think about Zelda. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, Zelda for the N64. Yeah, but um, not only that, I think it has, um, it kind of holds a special place for a lot of people because for many it was their first Zelda game. And I know that's true for you. Yeah. It's kind of true for me. It's kind of a toss-up, weirdly, between Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. um, I just can't remember it that well. Right. But it's definitely, it, it holds that place. Um, when people talk about Ocarina of Time, like, as a culture, as, like, in, like, video game culture, it's, like, it's, like, the big one, TM, the big boy. Yeah. I actually first got... Um, Ocarina of Time, I was probably, like, four or five years old mm -hmm. at the time, um, which tracks, because I got it right when it came out, and that was 98, and I was born in 94. 98. So, um... Makes you old. Yeah. Oof. My mom got it for her to play, because my mom likes fantasy really? stuff, and I think she saw one of those, like, really cheesy 90s commercials where they portrayed it as this sort of, like, save the world type of Lord of the Ringsy kind of thing. So she went and bought it. Um, my parents actually loved the original Final Fantasy. Right. I don't think they played the original Zelda, right? but they did play the original Final Fantasy and beat it, which is pretty freaking impressive. And that's pretty crazy. They did it without the power, Nintendo power, also. Yeah. Um, all they had was the little, like, when you bought the game, it came with this, like, little plastic, uh, a laminated, unfoldable map and unfoldable bestiary. Mm -hmm. But the thing about the best theory was that all oh, the low level of the enemy is sure it said that they have this much HP, they're weak to this kind of stuff. This is Final Fantasy you're talking about, not yes. Zelda, right? Okay, sorry, I was a little confused. But um bosses and like the end game stuff, it was all just question marks. They were like, We don't know what moves it has or how much HP it has. We didn't get that far. But my parents, before I played the game later, like with my dad, they wrote down Mm -hmm. everything on the map so by the time i got to it they had all the information that was missing from it like filled in so they, they beat the original final fantasy and they, yeah they stopped the and garland. they and they documented their knowledge to pass on to me it's very beautiful but i also never beat the game because i got That's to that hard. weird desert lighthouse mirage building and i was like i don't know what the fuck's going on it's, it's, a, so... it's a hard one it's a hardy and an oldie I know I played, like, the PSP remake of that game. 
and that was fun. I enjoyed that, but I think it was a little less bogged down. Anyway, we're talking about Zelda. Yeah, Zelda is um, not Final Fantasy. So, the reason why my mom bought Zelda is because she liked Final Fantasy, she thought it would be similar. Um, I think she really liked it. Mm. She was never good at it. Yeah. And I think that that's just our parents' generation, is they're only good at games where you move around on a grid and it's turn-based. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that. I mean, it's it was that big 3D game. Ocarina of Time requires finesse to be able to, like... Yeah. You know, walk where you want to. No, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is yeah. like one big long puzzle. Yeah, I had been messing around like while my mom wasn't playing. I just loaded up her file and like it ran around the game and just did a bunch of stuff. Just like, you know, uh, collected the chickens and Kakariko Village like over and over again. That was my favorite thing to do because every time you came back in, they were gone again. I was like, oh, time to get the chickens again, get more money. Oh, poor, poor chicken lady. Does she have a name? I I call her Anju. Because that's her Majora's Mask She doesn't, name. she's not named in the game, so, just, so I just call her Anju, Anju yeah. yeah. Um, either way, I guess. Um, but by that time, I had been messing around in the game long enough, I think right. I had made my own file once or twice, even right. though I had never got very far, because I thought it was more fun when I could, like, do everything in the game instead of when I was, like, right. restricted to the beginning right. sections. I was like that too, um, I just, like, all I did was mess around in the beginning area in that game, and... Yeah. It kind of took me years to get up the gumption to actually, like, try to beat it. Like, to me, my brother was always like, oh, my brother's the one who's good at Zelda. It turns out that's not true, and I'm way better at Zelda. And I've beaten most of them. And just, there are so many iconic events during that that game that I don't really think any other game has. Mm-hmm. Like, Ocarina of Time is this game that has this huge, huge scope, and you go to so many different places, and you really feel like that you see the whole world, and, like go into like all these secret places and it feels it's it's an adventure of a video game and not a lot of games can do that and I play a lot of big games like I um I'm really into MMOs I want that sense of adventure like that sense of I'm going somewhere and I'm accomplishing something and like I want to meet a lot of people along the way and Ocarina of Time is a game that accomplishes that almost more than any other Zelda. I had the fucking N- N64 Nintendo Power Guide. Right. I brought this freaking book with me. It was my Bible. It was my Bible. I brought this book with me to bed every night and kept mm-hmm. it under my pillow. Mm-hmm. And I read it until I had it. I did not take good care of it. I mm-hmm. had it in tatters. I was absolutely horrible book owner. Okay. Who's your favorite character from Ocarina of Time? My favorite character from Ocarina of Time... That's really hard, and no, it's Malon. It's Malon. Yeah, it's, I mean, I it's, it's Malon. Pretty, I think. I Who think, doesn't I, love that redheaded, adorable singing she's girl? She's very good. And there's another. Going back to kind of what I was saying about uh, about it being like a big adventure where you meet a lot of people. Malon is definitely one of those people who has like stuck with me forever. Right. Like you see her, and she just. I just immediately felt a connection with her, and she just has this bond with this this horse that uh, is really beautiful, I think, and I think her relationship with Link is, like, I feel like, I think, because their relationship is so understated and so just, um, I feel like a, there's so much subtlety to it that really makes them feel very close in right. a way that's kind of hard to get. Like, where you look at something and it's like, instead of the game telling you 
that you have a close relationship with this character where it's like someone like Ilya where it's like you feel this way about her it's like no I don't I don't care about Ilya like I I feel I want to save her when she gets kidnapped because I'm Link and that's what I do it's my job uh-huh. this is my job it's my day job I clock in and I say people who are kidnapped by the Great Moblin. It's not the Great Moblin. What's his name? Is it the Great Moblin? I think it's Great Bokoblin. Great Moblin is from... Bulbin. But King... King Bulbo. King Bilbo. King Bilbo. King Bilbo. I care about... There's another character in this rivalry they have is so beautiful. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's for another episode. Um, talking about Ocarina of Time game that we like and have a lot of thoughts about what is your favorite dungeon what like of time? is the thing from ocarina of time where a better question you think about it at night and you're like that was messed up i mean i feel like you're baiting me with that question a little bit because here's something that i think about yeah um the fact that you have to and you have to desecrate dompe's grave in the in the the after times mm-hmm. And he's dead. He was, he's yeah. fucking dead. Yeah, he dies. He dies. And then you desecrate his grave. You go in there and then you raise his ghost. And he gives you a spring-loaded... That is something that's very iconic. He gives you a spring-loaded pointy thing. Everything. With a trigger. Like, it makes no sense, really. But it's beautiful and iconic. And you're like, wow, Ocarina of Time, that race with Dante. I love that race because it's a little tricky. But when you do it right, he gives you the best thing in Zelda, which is the hookshot. You think that's the best thing in Zelda? the best thing in Zelda, in 3D Zelda at least, because I'm more of a 2D Zelda person, the best thing in Zelda is the hookshot, and Link to the Past brought it first, but the hookshot isn't that great in, uh, I think it's in Link to the Past. It might be in Link's Awakening. I'm pretty sure it's in Link to the Past. But, um, the 3D, like, the thing is, like, that's what makes 3D Zelda fun, is, like, this awesome item you get that lets you go, and it makes no sense physically. Not at all. The physics of it make no sense. They're like, you can only attach to wood objects, and I'm like, I don't know why, but that's fine. But it's beautiful. You just accept it. And it's the best, and it's the hookshot, and it's awesome. And it's, I know, um, Skyward Sword kind of confirmed that, like, the claw shot, hookshot family of items are, like, a holy blessing from the gods. I don't want to talk about Skyward Sword no, right now. No, that's one thing I like about Skyward Sword. No. Is that I like that these are like, this is a blessing. And then it's like this item that's so iconic to the Zelda series that's like been there forever. I don't almost. know. Like, I don't like that and at all. And the shot is awesome and it's the best item. It's even better than the Master Sword. I mean, the Master Sword's kind of just a sword. Like, mechanics-wise... It's just Mechanics-wise, it is mechanically the best thing in Zelda, and I know a lot of people don't like the hookshot, and I kind of get that, but have you ever played Twilight Princess where you get fucking two of them, and you get to be Spider-Man? You get the Spider-Man around the room, and it's awesome. Uh-huh. It's the best thing you can ever do in a Zelda game. Period. I'm making some real ultimate I'm making some real ultimate- I've thought about the hookshot a lot! I've thought about it a lot, and I really, really, really think it's- Pretty much the best Zelda item. Period. Okay. You know, let's wait, talk wait. about while we're on the topic of the hookshot. Okay. The kind of like pain from the first half of the game where you don't have the long shot yet. Oh, like, that's bad. And you're like, oh my god, I, I know I that. could get up to this 
freaking platform <laughs> if I had the freaking long shot, have but wait, I like, don't yet. More dungeons. I, have to go, I have to go do the water temple Which first. Is, it's not that I know, but just the fact you have to go do it first. Yeah, okay, the hook shot. And then the, the entire dungeon is taunting you because if you had the long shot, you could do it in like two seconds, but you don't. So you have to work super hard. Here's the thing uh-huh. about that: why it's why it's bad is because they give you one thing and then they like still make you feel powerless. And I feel like that is just like it's like the hook shot and then the long shot. No, okay, okay, I no. actually agree. The long shot is too powerful for you to get it all at once. Okay. They gotta ease you into it. Fair. They're like, okay, you can get half the way up to everything, and uh-huh. you feel really good, but yeah. then when you get all the way, you're like, oh my god. Like, That's like I, an instant, bo- I, I get a boner. Just instant boner. Instant boner, instant cum. Um, it's, it's, it feels really good when you get it, and it, like, makes you wait for it, but it's like... That was intentional. A.G. Was A.G. on Uma Dee work on Ocarina of Time? Pretty he sure did. he worked on it. He worked on it, but I think at this point Miyamoto was still the producer. Fine, 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 Miyamoto, Miyamoto is there with you. He's like, yeah, I know you can't reach that ledge. This is what Miyamoto sounds like. Yeah, I know you can't reach that ledge, but I'm there with you, and you're going to get a better one later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But that's not always a bad thing. Right. However, it's stupid that it's like, uh, gah, I got the hook shot, then later you just get a better one. You don't yeah. even upgrade the old one, you just get a fucking better one. Right. And that's kind of dumb. But listen, like. I kind of hate the idea of Miyamoto being there with you. Like, I know we talk, and people don't he's know right this. There. He's, she's right there. He's always there. He's always <laughs> in this room. So me Hi. and Jane talk a lot while we're playing Zelda about Aonuma being there or not. Yeah. So if it's a well-designed part of the game, we're saying that Aonuma, he's kind of like he's holding there. your hand and he's helping you. See that? See understand. Those, see those footprints in the sand where there's only one set of footprints instead of two. That's where Anuma carried you. Yeah, that's that's where he carries you. Um, but I feel like Miyamoto would just get mad at you for not. No, he would get mad at you. I just feel like he's really grumpy. No, no, no. Here's what he does. He he's he stands behind you, and he like he comes up to you while you're playing Zelda, and he's like watching you fail repeatedly at this one part, and he just crosses his arms and shakes his head and then walks away. Yeah. Like, I know that he's, like, probably, like, a super nice guy, but I just have yeah. this image of him being kind of grumpy. When it comes to games, yeah. He's like, I fucking love this so much. He's like the Gordon Ramsay of Nintendo. Oh, my God. He's like, I fucking love video games so much that I'm, like, constantly, like, pissed off about it. I feel like if he saw you, like, struggling in a part, like, really badly, and he would, like, go back to, like, he would, like, get a Skype call together of all the developers from that game and be like, where did we go wrong? I hate all of you. And then the call would crash. (laughs) Okay, um... I want to talk about dungeons. Jane wants to talk about dungeons. What's your favorite dungeon? Last thing I want... First first of all, last thing I want to say about items is that, like, which actually ties into dungeons, um, the... How they give you items that let you experience more and more parts of the game. I know they were, like, just experimenting with that in Ocarina of Time because it's more, um, it's more highlighted. This is, like, because Ocarina of Time is, like, the beginning of the Zelda formula. For me, it's, like, when they were, like, okay, this and this and this works. Now let's, like, just put it to, like, a tightly knit formula. But, at, like, at this point in time, it works really well because they're, like, still testing new waters and they're still just, like, what if we did this and what if we did this? And, um, I just want to say how the items are presented to you the long the hookshot longshot thing is an exception how they're how they're presented to you is very it feels it really does feel like you're earning them and you're breaking new ground yourself and just like 
every item that you get opens a new part of the game to you. And that's really cool. Yeah. And that's something that they, that, it, you know, it got so ingrained in the formula that, like, nowadays we kind of take it for granted because so many Zelda games do that. They all, like, you know, one dungeon, one item per dungeon, one dungeon per item, etc. Like, Ocarina of Time doesn't necessarily do that. It gives you some stuff, like, outside of the dungeons, even. There's too um, many dungeons. I disagree. I really like how many dungeons there are. That's what I think is no, the no, 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 no. There's too many dungeons where you get something that helps you get into the next dungeon. Oh, mini. I thought you said too many dungeons. No, no. There's not it's too many dungeons. dungeons. Yeah, no. I think there's the perfect amount of dungeons. There's That's a what lot. Ocarina of Time does best is yeah. how many dungeons there are. Um, but just every, every single dungeon, and this Ocarina of Time is so iconic for this, is you go into it and it's a different world. There's, like, and it kind of ramps up as oh, you go into it. Oh, can we please talk about the music? Can we talk about the music? We should talk about okay. the music. Okay, all of the music in Arcane of Time is, like, all this, like, lovely, like, classic Zelda music, yeah. like, yeah. oh, Hyrule Field, and, like, Zelda's lullaby, like, all these other songs, yeah. and it's such an integral part, and then you walk to a dungeon, and it's just, like, freaky, weird, ambient, what the fuck is Okay, going? I, I want to go back to something that I was saying. Okay. Which is, um, so when you're a kid... And the dungeons are like, they don't seem like that big of a deal, but things haven't really ramped up yet. Like, you go inside the Deku Tree, and it's like, feels like more like a collection of puzzles than a dungeon. Uh -huh. And that's, I think part of that is because it's not really a dungeon. You're just inside your giant dad. That, I never want to say that again. <laughs> um, um, but he, he yeah. like, you, you go in, and, like, the music is very, like, quiet and understated and just, like, not... There, there isn't that much ambience, it's just, like, an introduction to, like, what you're gonna be doing in this game. But at the same time, the Deku Tree presents dungeons, like, based on its shape. Like, you climb on the walls of, like, the inside of the tree, because Deku Tree's a hollow tree, so it's just, like, that's so cool when you think about it. Yeah, and When you really, like, about... get immersed in it, it's like, I'm inside of a giant tree, and that's yeah. pretty crazy. And that's not something they could have done in, like, a SNES game. Mm -hmm. That's not something they did in, in, in uh... Link to the Past, and that's, like, my one, that, like, the one big shortcoming I have with that game, is it's just, like, you go into a dungeon and they all look the same. Mm -hmm. But Ocarina of Time, they were like, what if we made these, like, expansive worlds? And then, but, it's, you go, I mean, you go into, like, a giant fish. First of all, I just want to say you go into way too many mouths in that game. <laughs> like, that's really weird. And the shape of the dungeons ends up being actually important to the puzzle solving. Like, for example, in the Fire Temple, there's one puzzle where there's a big giant pillar and you have to hit it with the yeah. Vatican Hammer, which shoots down to the floor, floor yeah. below it. And there's a lot of that sort of bi-level, different, like, which room is connected to which, yeah. back shortcuts being opened and created. Like, it's, it's like they take the Tower of Hera, which is um, my favorite and least favorite dungeon in um, Link to the Past, and they just, like, elevate the heck out of that. And then they have another dungeon that's, like, Vertic they they just they just really start what I'm trying to say is they just really started thinking about verticality in dungeons because of the third dimension being present. Uh -huh. uh, it just it really just transport you somewhere else in a way that like when when you go when you go into a dungeon in a 2D Zelda game it feels more like what kind of mechanics am I going to be dealing with here? Like each dungeon has like its own different mechanic and the dungeon is designed and wrapped around that. In Ocarina of Time, there's a lot more. There's a lot more ambiance. You walk into a dungeon, it's about the feeling, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about the feeling of being there. And the music does that, and just the, like, it's so intricately designed that 
you really feel like you've been transported somewhere else. And that's even more so when you beat the first three dungeons, which are like, when you play the rest of the game, they seem so, like, it's like the first three were nothing. Because the when you go into the forest temple as an adult, you're like, I just started playing a different game. It's completely, it's terrifying, and it's that... It's so, so good, and it's just... It's so... People don't talk about Zelda as art, unfortunately, that much, because Ocarina of Time is, like, as far as, like, Zelda games as art pieces go, it's up there, it's so good, and it just... It takes you somewhere else, and that's the kind of stuff I think about at night that freaks me out. It's just, like... I went to so many worlds in that game, and, like, then you think about... It, it, it drags you into it, and then you go to places like the Shadow Temple, where it's like, I'm just literally gonna shit my pants here. Um, and Beneath the Well, which is, again, one of those mini-dungeons. Um, Beneath the Well is one of the scariest places I've ever been to in a Zelda game. It's, the I, Shadow it's, it's one of the scariest places I've been to in a game, period. Like, the Shadow Temple's scary, but... The beneath the well makes you feel just totally powerless. Alone. And you're like, I'm like eight and this guy's trying to like literally grab me with a gigantic oh yeah, the dead hand. The dead hand. He's like, Okay, a big giant creepy zombie hand's gonna come out of the ground and then a big mouth is gonna come chop me. Like, holy shit. That's scary. There's another thing that uh Ocarina of Time does, just mechanically, that just re-deads. That was, like, a new thing. Back, like, they're in every Zelda game now, but, like, they hold you, and they choke you, and they just make you feel helpless. They scream, and you're just frozen. You can't do anything. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, help. I, like, as a player, I can't think of something that, like, instills that much fear in me from a, a trash mob. Sorry, that's MMO lingo. That's gonna come out. Um, it's so... It's like the re like that one enemy, it's like one redead. I don't wanna face that. I don't wanna fight that. It's in my way. Fuck what do I do? Like how can I like ignore him? Luckily you play the, the sun song and they get frozen, and that that helps. But they're still terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. They're so scary. And and then they made a whole level based around them. Thanks, Majora's Mask, but that's another podcast. I what I like about dungeons. I'm trying to hop back in. What I like about dungeons are, the dungeons in Ocarina of Time, is that there's like this really incredible arc to them, and even if not all of them hold up like design-wise, like I have some, I have some ifs, ands, or buts about um, uh, like the last few dungeons, because I feel like they maybe, it, they just have like kind of a, like they're running out of time developmentally. It doesn't oh, they have, were. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that famous Nintendo polish. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pass things over to you because I said a lot of things. Um, dungeons. Uh, the really cool thing about Ocarina of Time dungeons is that uh, the way that they're all framed is that uh, so and this is just Ocarina of Time in general. So the first short section of the game is basically you going around Hyrule and you're making a bunch of friends. Yeah. Basically. It's a very cute way to, Im to imagine. And then, the second part of the game is, it turns out, all of your friends were really important, and you have to go save them because they're in trouble now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Saria, Darinia, and, uh, 
Ruto and uh, Impa, like everyone. And then Nibiru comes in, like, kind of toward the end game, but that's because of time travel stuff. Right. Um, but it's like, you go, unless it's a kid, you make all these friends, and then you find out that they're all sages, and you right. have to save them. Right. So, Link has a personal connection to every area, every dungeon, which I really appreciate. Oh, I never, that's something I never really thought about. So, like, huh. when you're going into the forest temple, you're yeah. doing it to save Saria, and then Darunia, you're literally, like, chasing him through the fire right. temple, like, because right. he's trying to get to Fulvigia. Right. And then, uh, yeah, there's, like, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you run into Ruto a few times, uh, in the Water Temple. Right. And, uh, they're all just, like, I think that that's, like, a really, str- like, really anchors the future in the past, which is something that is really nice because there's a huge disconnect between the two worlds, just, not just temporally, but, like, aesthetically like right. the the latter world I is really like want to get into that messed up and like but then the before the before, the before world times. the before times is uh you know it's like really nice and happy and like upbeat um so yeah just sort of like that that time travel mechanic was really new at the time right oh yeah but I think that that idea of the two worlds is actually coming straight out of Link to the Past. Oh, it for sure is. Yeah. It, that They just, they took that, um, because the thing that's nice about the light world, dark world, the light and the dark world, not only does it offer, like, twice as much of the world for the player to explore, but it also just, um, it just, it literally, like, puts you in another world. Like, they're, they're so similar, but so different. You know, and it's the same way. I with have something the, funny to say. With the past and the future, please, please say your funny thing. Okay, so in the in the Nintendo Power Guide that I love so much, yeah, there was a uh, a little sort of a, a little exposition at the beginning where they had like a page dedicated to the four Zelda games that came out before. Oh my God. In case you were like wondering what happened in the other ones and you wanted to play oh, them, geez. so they were like, okay, well, here's a page for each one, and then the link to the past page. I remember reading it. In my brain, I was thinking, I didn't really, like, fully understand that there were other Zelda games yet, but I remember reading about the Magic Mirror, and I was like, that sounds cool. Now, and I was like, Where, where's the Magic Mirror? I can't find it. It's not in the game. Also, one time somebody convinced me I could find the Triforce, and I looked for a long time. You do get the Magic Mirror. In, in Ocarina of Time. Oh, 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 wait, oh, you thought it existed in Ocarina of Time. I did. That's very cute. I, I, because it was in the book, and I was like, well, I don't have any other Zelda games, so this must be the, the one that it's in. Right. And I was like, where's the Magic Mirror? And then I eventually figured out that it was a different game. Right. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, jeez. Here's how to unlock Luigi in Super Mario 64. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh... Can we, well, actually, I really like this place we're in where we're talking about the light world and the dark world, etc. And just, like, the whole, the link between worlds, the idea, not the game. You thought the magic mirror was in Ocarina of Time. I thought that in every Zelda game, the Master Sword was there. And I thought you age seven years every time. I thought, well, first of all, the Ocarina of Time time travel is very confusing and kind of makes no sense. Um, but that's not really what it's about. Uh, it's not about time travel mechanics. Um, it's about the you know this boy's journey, um, and his kind of like how he was kind of forced into adulthood with this yoke. Um, 
but just the master sword like being in that temple and being in that room and just feeling the majesty is such a powerful like you feel it in your soul yeah that the sand you're like pulling out the sword it's the best oh my gosh talk about like an iconic moment right another iconic character from the legend of zelda series is zelda oh yeah you know who zelda is right who? Zelda. Zelda? Yeah. I don't know. Can you just... Let me, let me flip through the Historia real fast. Oh, Zelda! Zelda. Zelda. Oh, yeah! Oh, she's like... She's in it a little bit. Yeah. We're, we're kind of talking about the light world and the dark world. Can we talk about the Master Sword? Can you just tell me how you feel about the Master Sword? I don't really have any specific thoughts to share on the Master Sword. You don't have any specific thoughts to share on the Master Sword. Um, it's it's the second best Zelda item, because the first is the hookshot. Um, it's, is it? It's the second best video game weapon, because the first best video game weapon is the Ashbringer from the Warcraft universe. This is another reason why I don't think we should talk about the Master Sword. You don't think we should talk about the Master Sword at all? The Master Sword... Uh, there's a line where Sheik refers to the Master Sword as a as a ship. A ship? Yeah. Like, and like it's two-two? when Sheik is trying to explain that you can go back and forth in time by putting the Master Sword into the pedestal and then taking it out again. You'll end up going back and forth between the two okay. timelines. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, that makes absolutely no, no sense. No, it does not. But I still love it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mechanically, it doesn't make sense. Artistically, they didn't care about that. They weren't worried about that. They weren't worried about the integrity of the Legend of Zelda timeline. Nobody really gives a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm like, it's an artistic choice. It's it's a mechanic where you go between two worlds. It's Basically, not like the Back Master to the Sword is kind of like a singularity of like sort of like divine energy. It's like the Elder Scroll of the Zelda. Universe. Yeah, so like it doesn't follow like any kind of sensical rules okay. about. I never thought about it that way. I mean, like literally, like when you pull it out, you take a seven-year-long nap. Why does that happen? Who yeah. who instituted that? Who decided this? Especially the Master Sword just just happens. Like there's no. It's just a weird singularity that makes no sense. Especially because in other Zelda games. The reason they that they do that is because, like, they obviously just wanted to give the player, like, something interesting. Like, oh, Link's completely different now. He's an adult. That's that's something, like, that's kind of, that was really novel at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, and, and then they say, Link, you weren't, like, ready yet. Even though through those seven years, it's not like he grows any mentally because he's just asleep. I know. What is that about? That's so weird. Because he's still a kid, but he's, like, physically stronger, I guess? Yeah. But it's not really about physical strength, though, because, I mean, like, it's, it's, I always pictured the Master Sword as kind of like a a Keyblade kind of thing, where it's, like, it's more about, like, you being worthy to wield it. And I guess for yeah. some reason it didn't think he was worthy enough that time. Um, even though so many other links who are little also, and they fight Ganon. Like, that was a terrible decision also. Because all it did was let Ganondorf get into the Sacred Realm, steal the Triforce, ruin everything. Mm-hmm. And then it broke the timeline up into a million different pieces. Yeah. 
Those three maybe, different timelines. You could make the argument, even though they very clearly were not thinking about this when they wrote Ocarina of Time, they were just thinking about game mechanics, because Miyamoto. Um, it's just the thing that had to happen, like, Homestuck style. It sucks that that happened, but it just had to happen that's for like these the timelines to exist, and that's the that entire sucks. game of Ocarina of Time. It's like, well, that sucks. Guess what, Link? Your life sucks. This timeline, bad. This timeline, even worse for you. This o- timeline, you die. <laughs> Ocarina of Time, Ganon spills a bunch of beans. Like, literal beans. I don't... This is a weird analogy. Just stick with me. Ganon spills a bunch of beans, and you have to pick up all his beans for him, and then throw him back in his face. That's what Ocarina of Time is. That, I don't know what that analogy was. But that's how I'm picturing it now. I don't know. Just... Ganon makes a mess. Quest. Ganon make it doesn't have to be beans. Ganon makes <laughs> Ganon makes a big mess, and Link has to clean it up. And he's sitting in his room playing organ. And then Link's like, "You made me clean up your big mess. I'm gonna kill you." And then he does. Listen, that's Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf is so freaking like he can do anything, and no one will fuck with him. He can grow mullet except even. for Link. He's like, "I'm gonna kill the King of Hyrule." No one can stop him from doing that. He's like, I'm gonna break into the sacred realm. Link was asleep. He just, let, he just went in there. Right. And then in the Twilight Princess timeline, it was like, oh, well, let's try to execute him because he, you know, was conspiring to murder mm, the nope. king. And then they're, he's like, no, actually, even though you drove a sword through my chest, mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna still be alive because I have the Triforce of Power anyway, which makes no freaking sense. He's just, like, unkillable. Like, what the fuck? Only Link can kill him. And even then, Link doesn't do a really great job of killing him because he just gets sealed in the sacred yeah. realm in the white space. Then Ganon's like, I love that me. shot. Um, but anyway, um, you could make that argument. Like, you know, the game, Twilight Princess, defines it as like a quote-unquote divine prank. Uh-huh. When really, you could make the argument that it's like what I was trying to say, like, this is the thing that had to happen. And it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy self-fulfilling prophecy, excuse me. Um, and it's just something that happens because... That stuff has to happen in the future because of that. Yeah, and like on a meta level, uh, like it's not really meta. Like a, if you take in like a like a lore reason for that, it's yeah. because of Demise's curse, which yeah. plagues Link and Zelda yeah. throughout Ugh. eons of time. That just for some reason, like it, if something happens the wrong way for evil to you know be defeated forever, Demise's curse is just like, well, guess what? He's actually gonna live. Yeah. Guess what? He actually is super successful, even though you can kill him eventually, like, all the things that could have stopped him earlier are all thwarted by just this sort of yeah. universal constant of yeah. demise just being like, fuck you, Link, fuck yeah. you, Zelda, I hate all of you, even though I'm dead. There are, there are a lot of kind of villainous effects like that in RPG-esque lore media. Let me, let me try to think. Um, I think... Maybe just canonically in, like, the fantasy canon. Uh-huh. That was a thing that Tolkien did. Because it's, like, Saruman. Not Saruman. Sauron. Sauron. Yeah, he's the he's the devil one. Um, he, like, he did a bunch of stuff that basically drove the world into chaos. And his presence is always there. You know, his presence is just... We... Like, this part of the world was ruined because of Sauron, even though it was, like, something that was so long ago, and he just, like, affects all of time and everything in the future because of his kind of... can do about it. His legacy. It's this... Lord Xehanort from, um, from Kingdom Hearts is the same kind of thing. Lord English is an obvious one. They're just lords. 
Um, but that's that's another podcast. Um, I'm not gonna talk about Homestuck classic stuff here. Um, but it's just these villains that kind of just leave a scar. Uh, Sargeras from World of Warcraft is another. Um, Gul'dan. Who it's okay if y'all are confused. Cause I I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm characters. just I'm just referencing like a bunch of stuff. But I'm just saying like this. It's interesting to compare these characters and like these ideas. But we're talking about Ganon, and I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. I like other pieces of media besides Zelda. What? Unlike Tori. But Zelda's the only video game. Zelda's, it's the only one. Have you? Hello there. Have you played a video game? Have you played The Legend of Zelda, the video game? Yeah, the the, the one video game. Video game? Yeah, like, it's like, you go to the the GameStop store, and they're like, hey, we have the video game, and it's just a copy of Blood of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Blood of Zelda. Collect some cheese. Oh, wait, you don't do that in Ocarina of Time. No. Nope. That's just the first one. Nope, unless you uh, had a friend that convinced you that you could get to the Unicorn Fountain. Which is apparently a thing. What it is exists. The unicorn, fountain? the unicorn fountain is real. What even is it? It's a it's a beta area, inaccessible area. You have to hack yourself into, and it looks like a proto fairy fountain with some unicorn statues in it. Why are there unicorns? Unicorns aren't really a thing in Zelda. Like I think the betas, like originally when they were designing it, they were like, oh, it's a cool statue we could put in this pretty magical fountain, and they decided to put unicorns. And then later they were like, there's no unicorns in Zelda. We're not gonna do this, and they took it out. But the the area was still in the cartridge. Also, there's an R-Wing in the N64 cartridge. An R-Wing? There's an R-Wing model from what? Star Fox. Just Why? Just in there. Just in the code? It's just like, it's like a mob. Do you mean physically in... in there? Like if I take tweezers, I could pull it out and it's a tiny little R-Wing that I can drive no, around? No, there's, there's an entity, there's a mob in, yes. in the cartridge that you can hack into, you can hack into existence if you know the code for like, you know, spawn new R-Wing. That's wild. And it will just be an R-Wing that's just the R-Wing from Star Fox 64 they just put it in there, they were probably just, like, testing some stuff, and they just threw it in there, and then they never took it out, because uh-huh. when they released that game, that code was a complete mess. And there's, like, this hole above Darunia's, uh, room. There's really? just a hole, and there's, like, nothing up there, but, like, if you turn on the moonwalking, you can go up in it, and there's nothing up there, you're like, what the fuck, they just forgot to take this out. It's really funny. Darunia just lives underneath of the void. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, I think maybe, like, it was originally intended to be, like, a tunnel back that you yeah. would drop into the room from, but then they just decided that they were gonna just teleport oh, you. Oh, so. Aren't N64 games amazing? Yeah. <sighs> I love the N64. You it's really can't find anything, ex- with the exception, maybe, of Bethesda games. Oh my god. You can't find the kind of treasure, <laughs> terrifying, horrifying, earth-shattering treasure that you can find in games like Ocarina of Time where it's like oops I stepped wrong oops I like accidentally went I know there's um there's a there's a glitch I did on like my my playthrough of Ocarina of Time that I did like all the way through um if you like float up like into the door of the water temple you can just like swim around in air huh yeah it's really it's a really easy glitch to do my favorite glitch. And uh-huh. everyone should go do this immediately as soon as you are done listening Horse to this quest? episode. Horse quest. Listen. So what you do is you get, make sure you're on version 1.0 cartridge, so download the 1.0 ROM or whatever if you have to. Um, I'm assuming you own the game already and don't advocate piracy. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we love Zelda. <laughs> 
so you, you get it. Make sure you're on 1.0, because it only works on 1.0, or a Japanese version of the game. Um, just use whatever cheat codes, get to the end of the game, be in the fight with Ganon, get the Master Sword knocked out of your hand in Phase 3, and then just save the game and quit. And then reload and like won't have the sword equipped anymore. I think, I think the visual behind that is really funny. Like, oh Jesus, my sword, Link just sits down and, and gives <laughs> up. That's it, this is the fallen When you reload, the master sword will still be in your inventory. You can re-equip it. It doesn't just disappear. But it's not equipped currently, mm-hmm. which is a state that the game is not prepared for you to be in because it's impossible to unequip your sword any other way except at the beginning when you don't have a sword yet. So and you're not supposed to be able to get out of the starting area without a sword equipped. So if you you can just do all kinds of crazy glitches, and the best one you can do, this is called Swordless Link State. So in this state, you can cause the game to go nuts. So what you do is you go... Uh, find, it just goes buck wild. You find Epona, you get on Epona, and then you can use all your C-button items while you're on Epona, while you're in the state. Right. And then if you use an item... Um, I think it's either, yeah, it's an item that requires you to be off the horse to use. Yeah. The game will, like, push Link off the horse so that he can use it, but it won't disconnect the horse from being connected to his movements. So you and Epona will be in sync, walking side by side together, be both being controlled with this beautiful control stick. Zelda the RTS. And if... You, like, and if you want to, like, push or pull them apart, you can, like, use the environment to be, like, oh, I'm walking into a wall, but is like, going around it. Right. So you can, like, manipulate it that way. It's extremely fun. I would highly recommend this. Um, the other glitch you can do is the bottle glitch, where you can turn all the items in your inventory into a bottle. That's really useful, because um, there's some shit in your inventory. I know I talked about, uh, I know I talked about... Um, just how how good the inventory in Zelda or uh, in Ocarina of Time is earlier, but also there's some useless shit in there. So like, you swing it to catch something, mm-hmm. like a fish. Pause mid animation, assign a different item to the bottle slot, and it'll replace whatever item with the fish in the bottle. Okay. So. Because while it's trying to overwrite empty bottle with a bottle with fish, it'll end up write, overwriting whatever you put in that spot with bottle with fish oh instead. Oh boy, that's some really clumsy code, huh? So, uh, if you want, you can literally turn, if you want to totally break your save, you can turn everything in your inventory into a bottle and you won't have the items anymore. Great. That um, reminds me... But the thing that people usually did is that they would get the big Goron sword and they turn the claim check into a bottle and get an extra free bottle. That's smart. You don't need it. Anymore. That's really smart. I also yeah. do it with bomb shoes because bomb shoes are fucking useless. Um, I like bomb shoes. I disagree. Oh, bomb shoes. I severely disagree. Um, anyway, uh, that reminds me. Okay, there's one <laughs> one time you can use bomb shoes. Anyway, I'm not talking about bomb shoes right now. <laughs> I want to talk about the one time that I played Link's Awakening and I had a Game Shark, but I didn't know how to use it. Didn't know any of the codes. So I just plugged it in, and I did, like, random codes. And one time it got me really far in the game, and I was really excited to see all these new features. And all the items were rocks feathers, though. <laughs> I had, like, 50 rocks feathers. I never really got my Game Shark to work with Ocarina of Time, but I did do the one glitch where you had to pull the cartridge out partway so that you could phase through things. And you would totally break your cartridge and your N64 by doing this. You, the listeners at home can't see it, but I'm frowning. <laughs> 
I'm very much frowning. Don't do this. You will totally destroy your N64. And yeah, that sounds bad. It. But back then, we were like, oh, who cares? Let's do I it. I want to touch so you. So you could use that to get out of the Kokiri Forest early mm-hmm. if you wanted. Because mm-hmm. you could just, like, basically you pulled it out to where the game was still running, but it was starting to freak out. And then you just pushed your way through with the control yeah. stick and then you plugged it back in really fast. That works. Somehow do this worked. Don't do Don't it, Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, I did have a question about Horse Quest, and the question is, does that ruin your save? Because you don't have a sword. No, you can just re-equip it. It's still in your inventory. Oh, oh, it's just unequipped. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's... <laughs> talk about a voice crack. That is... That's nice. Yeah, I horse... expected it to be ruined. Yeah, I expected horse the quest... game to punish you. Horse Quest, you just equip the Master Sword again, and then the glitch is over. Okay. Um, but if you're playing a version that's later, they actually patched it somehow. I don't really, that's honestly really confusing because people are like, all the versions were like already like on the cartridge. So I don't know like what they did, but if you play version 1.1 or 1.2, then, uh, when you reload the game, the Master Sword will be equipped back again. It won't be unequipped. Okay. So you have to play 1.0, but it's very good. Very good. Also, Very exquisite glitch. If you have the, the gold cartridge, that's always 1.0, but other than that, they, there's, like, a way you can find out which version it is. Just Google, like, the serial number, and you'll figure it out. There's, like, websites for it. I don't know the exact science. Mm-hmm. Or just download it wrong. Um, how many cartridges of Arc of Time do we have? Uh, let's see. We have my gray one. Uh-huh. We have your gold one. Uh-huh. Do you have a Japanese one? No, I have two. I, I feel I have like two you gray should. Ones. I feel like that's something we should invest in. I have two gray ones and a gold one. You have yeah. one gray one. Yeah. So we have four copies of just the cartridge. We have four copies. Plus, don't bump the the cord, Tori. Sorry, it's hanging in front of that's me. That's why we call you Cordy. Um, I'm also very sorry that I am extremely stuffed up right now. So my voice is like weird. This has been our first podcast recording, so thank you. For, uh, Thank you for putting up bearing with, with all of our, all of our quirks. Yeah, we have a good mic and pretty much nothing else. Yeah, this is um this is uncharted waters Absolutely. for us. So maybe, uh, we should, maybe we should wrap up, wrap it up. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about first? Zelda: Ocarina of Time. It's a good game. It probably deserves the praise. Do you wanna do you wanna rate it? Should we rate each Do you game wanna here? rate each Zelda game? Should we rate each Zelda game? I'm gonna rate this game. I'm gonna rate this game uh five out of five carrots. I'm gonna rate this game Is there five carrots? I thought there was four. I think there's five. Is there three carrots? Is there only three? Is either three, four, or five? Is there six? It's five. Is there five? If I'm wrong about there being five, I'm gonna be super tweet, embarrassed. Tweet at T-O-R-I-M-Zero-R. At me. If if she's wrong about the carrots. Yeah. I'm not on Twitter anymore, so <laughs> it's all up to her. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm gonna rate... Do we each do a rating, or do you just yeah, do a rating? Yeah, we both do a rating. I'm gonna rate this game a feisty mail-on out of ten. Okay. Um, because that this game, like, invented the feisty Zelda girl, which is in pretty much every Zelda game. Word. Okay. Um... I feel like there's a lot more we can cover, but you know what? Let's this is wrap, our first time. Let's wrap it up. Um, 
next time next week after this goes up we will probably be talking about majora's mask which will probably end up talk us talking about this game more because they're almost the same yay so yay considered a two-parter um so yeah we'll get back into all the all the good and 64 shenanigans uh, uh once again uh thank you all so much for listening um I, uh, my Twitter handle again is uh, at Tori Moore, so T O R I M zero R, and then uh, Jane is just a ghost. So uh, if you, if you want to get to her, get to me. If you want to send love letters or fan mail to Jane, to send them to me, and I'll make sure she receives them thank you, properly. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you guys, uh, and I hope all of you have a wonderful day. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, we love to talk about Zelda. If there's certain things you want us to get into for other games that we haven't covered yet, like, we would love to hear. Um, I'll probably, right now Twitter is fine, but I probably will set up an email or something at some point. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming to the Milk Bar. Uh, uh, Goddesses be with you. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, we think you also might like our good friend Maxie's podcast, which is Gabe Newell's Rosie Ruby Land. Um, Maxie and Zach over there talk about all of the awesome, uh, under, I think, $8 games on Steam and other places, and which ones are, like, hidden gems and which ones are not worth buying, which is uh, all really good information. They talk about lots of other cool stuff over there, too. So go check them out. It's uh, Gabe Newell's Rosie Ruby Land. Um, I believe that they're on SoundCloud as well. All right, and thank you guys so much for listening.